Welcome to the Living Alive Podcast. I'm Autumn Shields, a Master Connect coach, speaker, author, and serial entrepreneur, and most importantly, your hostess here to help you live your life alive. See, I believe we all have the ability to feel and be guided by life's nudges to live on purpose. So I'm inviting you to take this journey with me. Whether you were here just wanting to dip your toe in the water and see what this is all about, or maybe you were ready to dive deep. Thank you for joining us on today's episode. On this show, you'll hear powerful life-changing stories from thought leaders of all walks of life that are stirring things up. We will guide you on living your life fully alive, how to identify the nudges, and why living a healthy lifestyle actually makes a difference. So get ready to be inspired, challenged, and connected because it's your time to make a splash. Have you had to deal with a tragedy that you can't seem to accept or learn how to live your life fully alive again? Well, our guests today not only experienced one tragic suicide in their family, but two. So they have decided to team up and write a book to help others find their vision and their purpose. And it's called Keep Looking Up. Being forced to change has given them both a different outlook on life. They're now continuously working on projects and speaking on stages around the world to talk about their story as a mother and daughter team. Losing someone to suicide unexpectedly or even feeling suicidal yourself can be hard to get through. Dealing with the confusion, anger, and fear that follow can be daunting when you aren't sure where to go or what to do from that point. Don't skip out on this life-changing session for yourself or someone you may know. I'd like to welcome to the show, Carrie Conley and Laura Wilson. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for being here. I know we're um, all in three different states and that's what makes this fun to be able to all share this time together. So I am so excited to share your story with others. Um, And although it was born out of tragedy, what I'm so excited to dive into, to be able to share with other people, to know that they're not alone in dealing with suicide in their own families, rather it's friends or family. And so I would love to dive right in and take you guys back six years ago and for you to tell your own story. And what has been born out of this is an amazing book and what you share with the world. And so take us back six years ago, and then we'll talk about where you guys are at today. Well, I was at that point, Autumn, uh, my husband and I had just become empty nesters pretty much. Laurel was the youngest of our two kids and she had gone off to college. And so we were still living in, in Colorado. We had moved into a smaller home. My husband was still working in his corporate job that he'd been with for over 20 years. And I had taken a shift in my career from being in the network marketing world into having my own speaking and coaching business. So we were kind of settling in and looking forward to, you know, starting a whole new chapter in our life and figuring stuff out with, with Colin Laurel gone. Yeah. And I was at a point where I was in the middle of a chapter of my life. I guess you could say I was halfway through college in Oklahoma. And so I was out of state, not really out of touch, but you know, not, I was kind of in my own bubble of college and it was summer before my junior year. So I was exactly halfway through college. Um, and was in the midst of what that looked like. For those of you that didn't catch, I'm 
Carrie is the mother of Laurel, who um, is on the show today. And I forgot to announce the relationship. So um, what's great is we get the we get a mom and a daughter's perspective and story on this experience. And so Carrie, and then what happened? Tell us what's next. Um, well, my son had just graduated from college and was getting ready to start his career uh, in Arizona. Um, and unfortunately, during the summer, right before he was going to go to work at that, that new job, uh, my husband um, died by suicide that July of 2014. And so we Cole was home when this happened and we got notified by the police. My husband was not home when he took his life. Um, I was at a radio studio that morning recording and the police notified me. They'd already gotten a call and told him what had happened. And obviously I got home and all sorts of craziness started. So um, we had to notify Laurel who was in Oklahoma um, and get her home and little by little, just start notifying people what had happened, uh, get through, you know, the whole memorial service, the shifts in our lives, the whole thing. So, so it took what we saw, like I said, a minute ago, autumn, where we were empty nesters getting settled in, that our kids were well on their way. Um, we just took a sharp turn. Yes. I can imagine at that time, it just feels like your entire world shattered. Yes, completely. Um, the beautiful thing is that our family has always been really close and we've just pulled together as a team. The three of us just got done what we needed to get done. Um, had a beautiful service for my husband, had all sorts of family and friends there. And just, I just started figuring stuff out, what the next steps were going to be, how I was going to get cold to Arizona and get Laurel back to college. Um, start living part-time in Arizona and De- in Denver um, and then getting to Laurel in between. <laughs> so it was a really crazy year. I really don't remember most of it. Just, it was a whirlwind. Yes. Understandable. And Laurel, what was that like for you at that time in your life? Yeah, it was very confusing because, you know, I wasn't like my mom where she was kind of already entering a new chapter. You know, it definitely, that chapter did not become what they expected or she expected at all. But I think being in the middle of a chapter and having something like that happen, I really questioned if I wanted to go back to Oklahoma or not. I didn't know what felt right at the time, you know, with my brother moving to Arizona and my mom helping him with that phase. I didn't really know where I fell into place with that. And so I ultimately decided, you know, to go back to college, which I'm so thankful that I did. But it was weird to be a whole different person back in a place that's the same. So that took me a long time to adjust to. And I'm thankful that I had really good roommates and friends that were very patient with me, but it was bizarre. It was like I was going back, but not as the same person, but everything else was the same. So that, that took a lot of adjusting. Yes. How interesting that is because from people looking from the outside, you're just the same person in the same place, but to you, you're absolutely a different person. Mm -hmm. Yes. And it, and it was Oklahoma really became my safe place, which I'm very thankful for. I actually still live here now, um, which I didn't expect that to happen either, but I do still live here now. And it very much became a safe place because it kind of removed me from that, which there were good and bad things to that, that I kind of became a little bit isolated from the situation. But at the time, that's kind of what I needed was a place that I wasn't, people didn't know everything that was happening to me like they did in Colorado. Yes, absolutely understandable. And so the next phase you guys entered 
And then what happened next? Well, Laurel said she went back to school and um, thrived. And I went, like I said, back and forth between Colorado and Arizona because I had business in Colorado and decided to start um, spending half my time here. So I created some business here. Um, Cole and I ended up getting a two bedroom apartment so that I could stay with him when I came in and I ended up buying a house in Arizona six months later because I just loved it so much. And like Laurel said, Autumn, it was easier for me to be in Arizona than it was in Colorado because in Colorado, my husband and I went to high school together um, and we lived in the neighborhood practically that I grew up in. So we had a lot of people around us who knew us, knew our family. Uh, we went to a very big church. Um, so we had a lot of church family. My kids went to the same high school that Ross and I did. So there was that, there was way too many people who knew our story and it was very challenging because everywhere we went, we'd run into people that just would have to stop us and give us the sad face and, you know, the whole hugs and all that. So it was easier for me to get out and be in a whole new place. Like Laurel said, going back to Oklahoma where nobody knew her story unless she chose to tell them. So, and I'm sure just the memories, like you couldn't, you couldn't look anywhere oh yeah. without a memory. Oh, for sure. <laughs> it's huge. You know, when people are living and going through this and grieving, just like you said, you know, every person on every corner, can you give us insight of what that feels like? And for us on the outside, what is the best way to support people through that? I mean, I know everybody's different and everybody needs different things at different time, including you, but can you give us some insight of what was really helpful for the people that were around you? I was going to say one disclaimer, I guess, about this, because we are sharing how both of us, you know, almost ran away, if you could put it that way, you know that, and I totally don't want it to come off that way, because I know there are so many people that did tell us, and I know my mom will um, attest to this, that a lot of people said, don't make any big changes, because you just went through a huge change. You know, they said to her all the time, don't, don't move, don't sell the house, you know, don't do anything crazy. But for us, that's what we needed. And it like, again, like I said, there was good and bad things to not being fully immersed in the situation. Because when you do go back to that state, or back to that house, you know, it does resurface those. But the best thing that we learned is that we had to be very patient with ourselves and giving us time to go back to those places And the people that, you know, really helped us the most were the ones that mirrored that. We talk about this a lot in our book of that people that totally got it. And we're like, I understand why you need to be in a different state. I'm not going to ask you to come back. I'm not going to, you know, tell you what to do. I'm going to go off of what you're deciding to do because that's what you need right now. Yes. Just giving you space to make those Mm -hmm. choices for yourself and respecting those choices. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, we another chapter in the book is grace and mercy. We learned that, um, you know, there's you get different responses from people, Autumn. Some people just wanted to be around us all the time. They wanted to have us talk it out, hug it out, the whole thing, which um, sometimes we wanted that, sometimes we didn't. And uh, sometimes people didn't understand that. And we we saw that there was a need that people had that we couldn't always fill. Um, so the next thing that happened was people either learned how to deal with the new Laurel and I, and what we were going through and Cole at the time, cause he was still alive when we were going through this and, and they did well. Um, uh, they gave us the space, they mirrored, like Laurel said, how we, what we were wanting. 
Um, and then unfortunately there were a lot of people who moved out of our life because they didn't know how to deal with us anymore. And now that's kind of a sad realization when you go through something like this is that you lose a lot of people and it's, it just is what it is. It would Not be nice to bad. get like the top 10 things that happens right after this, like handed to you in like one piece of paper. So you know what to expect, but it's never like that. You know, it, there's so many more things to learn about that. So I guess if you're listening to the story and you're trying to support, somebody that's grieving in any way right now is just to be respectful of that space. And I think sometimes the easiest thing to ask people is what do you need or not need and be okay with the answer in any way that comes. If you need me to leave you alone, I'll leave you alone. If you need me to bring food, I'll bring food. If you need a hug, I'll hug you. But if you, if you need alone to be alone, that's okay too. But you're right. People just try to, you know, they have needs too, and you can't always meet them and that's okay too. So through this process. And then you're in Arizona with, um, Cole Carey. And then what happened? Um, so I ended up, you know, moving here, sold the house in Denver and Cole moved out. He was doing really well in his job, got it, bought his own condo. Um, but he started for lack of a better word, unraveling, um, two and a half years after Ross died for lots of reasons. And I don't know how much you want me to talk about suicide and you can ask me that later if you want, but he just, he just was struggling and um, decided to leave his job because it was a big part of his unhappiness. That day I went to a lunch in downtown. Cole was going to his office to tell his boss that he was leaving, uh, that he needed to make some different decisions with his life. And uh, instead of going to the office, um, he went to his condo and shot himself. And of course, when he didn't come back to get me, I started panicking and, uh, called some family members, called the police. They tracked him down at his condo. Um, unfortunately also during that time, Laura was, she was knowing that Cole was missing and I had to let her know over the phone that Cole had died and the whole thing started over again. So flew her in, um, told Two of what we call in the book, we've now defined what we call our safe people. It's a big, big lesson we learned from the whole situation going through this with my husband is um, that when something like this happens, you need to just bring in two or three of the closest people that you know you can trust that can handle this, this situation. And flew a couple of those people in and they started taking over and helping us maneuver through the next steps and notifying people and so on. And at this time, are you thinking this cannot happen again? This cannot. (laughs) This cannot be happening. Yes. It was the last thing that we ever would have thought would have happened both times. You would have never known that either Ross or Cole would be the type of people that would even think about taking their life, Um, which is a big thing about suicide that a lot of people don't realize. They think that Laurel and I had some magic answer to tell people, here are the signs. Um, obviously we knew they were both struggling with things, but we never thought they would go to this length, especially with Cole, um, because he knew better. He, he knew what this looked like. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so important for people to hear because we all would like those signs. We would all like to know the magic behind it or the answers behind it or the signs behind it. And yes, you know, looking, you know, people always say hindsight's twenty twenty for a reason, but there, you know, and I think it is important for you to talk a little bit about suicide and that it's not what everybody thinks, because for me, it's, it's hard to wrap your mind around when you hear about a suicide or somebody close to you, because 
on a daily basis, all we are trying to do is prolong our lives and to keep ourselves safe. We put on seatbelts, we eat vitamins, we go for walks. We're, we're, we're working on longevity of our life. We're working on it growing and expanding in every area of our life. And so when all of a sudden this happens, it jolts our thoughts about human existence. And for me, it does. And so, and especially when it's somebody close to you and it shatters your world. And so I think it might, you know, would be a good time to talk about suicide and then we'll go back um, and talk to Laurel about the situation from her as a daughter. I mean, as a sister. Mm -hmm. Well, I started talking more and more on this subject, Autumn, that, you know, suicide, of course, is a major epidemic in our world right now. And a lot of people, especially in the media, are pointing it to one thing only, and they're calling it mental illness. Um, There's much more involved than just that. I think we have a lot of societal pressures going on um, that starts with an early, early age in kids now which is, yeah, uh, we, we push them to become something they are not so that they can achieve and produce in the world and be, you know, seen. And instead, what we need to do is start raising up little humans, figuring out who they are and what their authentic purpose is and empowering that in them. So what happens is they go through a whole system that tears them down internally, um, puts a whole lot of pressure on them, Um, they also are very enabled if they have parents that do a lot for them. So they come out into the world, not knowing really what they're capable of doing on their own. Um, then they get into jobs where again, it's, it's, they get into a job that maybe it fits who they are. A lot of times it doesn't fit who they are, but now they're stuck. Um, I think we also have, Obviously, a major epidemic with the teardown in the family structure. Um, it's just, there, it's not one thing is my point. And unfortunately, right now, it's easier for us to point it to a disease because then we don't need to own any of that. We have no responsibility in it. It just is what it is. Wow. Very, and very, very important to say that and to acknowledge that. Yeah. What we need to do instead is as a culture, recognize that we are creating a big part of this problem. And that's hard for people to, to, to think about. That we all have responsibility in this. We're all connected. Right. But it means we have to change, Autumn. You know, as adults, the adults that I see around my age right now are not following their own purpose in their life. Um, they are acting in fear every single day. And so what they're doing is trickling that down into their kiddos. and. Um, It's just, it's so much easier, like I said, to wash your hands of it and say, oh, this was just a disease that Ross and Cole were just mentally ill. And Laurel and I know that they were not. Um, We knew they were struggling. We knew, especially with Cole, that he was more prone to anxiety and dealing with that um, and managing it. But it really becomes a much bigger issue of how can we, as a culture, stop this from happening? Yes. Like you said, it's an epidemic. This isn't, yes. this isn't a story we hear once in a while. This is, I cannot tell you how many of my friends this has happened to in the last year. Friends. Oh yeah. Friends, like, yeah. Very close friends. So this isn't something you just hear in the news. This isn't a news article. This is every, everybody's life right now. Yeah. Everybody's been touched by it some way, somehow now. 
Yes. So thank you for sharing that. And I know there's so much more you have and talk to, and we'll put our listeners in touch with you guys and being able to follow all the information that you have by not only experience, but research um, to further this conversation because people, people need to hear it and people need to share it. And Laurel, going back to you at this time in your time of your life, how was this when you got the news of Cole? Yeah. So at this point, I was a year and a half out of college. I was still in Oklahoma City. um, And I actually was at the point of uh, about to be engaged, which I didn't realize how quickly that was coming around the time that this was happening. Um, But I was working and I had been, you know, back and forth in Arizona quite a bit because I had a remote sales job, which was great. So I'm, I'm thankful that I got to spend that time there. But I was really kind of fitting into my adult life and figuring out what that looked like. Um, and you know, I actually was with Cole, I think it was a month prior to him passing away on a trip with a bunch of our mutual friends. Um, something that was so great about our relationship is that we had a lot of mutual friends and would hang out all of us together, which I know can be rare for siblings. And we were on this trip together and I could sense that something was not right. And so my, um, now husband, he and I, at the time had decided that we wanted to come out to Arizona for a weekend because we just were feeling like something was off. And so we had planned to actually come out the day after Cole had passed away. And I think because of where he was at, you know, I can't ever understand his thought process, but I think that he knew that we knew something was off and just was truly at a point where he just could not continue anymore. And so we actually, you know, like I said, I'd planned to come out that weekend, but it ended up going for a very different reason. Unfortunately, you know, as his sister and going through this a second time, I, my initial reaction was a lot of frustration and it was because of the conversations that we had very openly had about where he was at. I knew his anxiety was really bad. I knew that he was struggling with his job and we were talking through things daily And so I was frustrated because I felt like he maybe had not shared as much with me. And I think that was because, you know, he didn't really want to let me into exactly where he was at. And so for a long time, I was a lot more frustrated with him than I was when my dad passed away. I I didn't, you know, I was so confused and did not know what happening, what was happening when my dad died. And then when Cole passed away, all I kept thinking was, you you know what this is going to do to us. And so it's taken me a really long time to forgive him, to be honest, because, you know, I just felt like I was having those conversations with him and still could not quite get to a point where I I, um, could understand exactly where he was at, which was hard, hard to come to terms with. Yeah. So how did you forgive him? Yeah, well, you know, still a process. Yeah, definitely still a process. You know, um, I think over time, uh, and I, and I think it was just the initial anger towards him that I really had to let go of. I, I knew that Cole, who he was in our relationship, would have never done what he did. And so that is hard for a lot of people to understand that have never lost somebody to suicide. But you have to remind yourself that in that moment, that is not the same person. You know, they are at a point that is not their personality, their their brain, their mindset is completely gone. And so you almost have to remove those two types of people to be able to forgive the person that you did have a relationship with. And that's still taken me a long time, um, especially because I, 
you know, moved into the phase of getting engaged towards marriage. And I was obviously torn apart that he wasn't there. Um, but you know, we talk about this too, in the book too, of how we've become very aware of how close heaven is. And there's been very, very, um, I was about to say very few, but actually a lot of times that I believe Cole has truly spoken to me and asked me for his forgiveness and apologized to me and, you know, has reminded me that that was not him in that moment. And that, that, like I said, is a very hard thing. And I'm sure people listening to this that don't quite understand that it'll be a lot for them to understand because it's quite a concept to grasp. Yes, but it's interesting. And, and if that's your experience and it's real for you and it's helped you cope and forgive and go through all the different emotions of grief and anger and sadness, and we all have to figure out how to deal with this. And that's, what's so great about you. I step into this space today and sharing your stories is because everybody deals with it in different ways. But if, if it's a way, or if it's a different perspective that helps somebody else say, you know what, that does make sense. And it's so helpful for somebody else to move to a different place. Yeah. I think you also have to choose, you have to choose to forgive and to choose to listen to those signs. You know, I think heaven is all around us and we, we've not seen it like we have now until we went through these tragedies, but we had to get to a point that we were choosing to believe those signs were coming from them and believe that, you know, we've had people come up to us and being like, Oh, there's this young man wanting to tell you something. And it's so clear that we knew specifically that was Cole, or I knew specifically that was my dad telling me something. And if somebody doesn't choose to believe that that is true, then of course, you're never going to get to a point of being able to forgive. But if you're able to get to a point that you're actively seeking that and letting yourself release that anger, it, you will get there. You just have to be patient with the time frame too, because it's, it's a lot. <laughs> yes. I love that you gave yourself patience for that time frame, but I also love that you said forgiveness is a choice because I believe it is too. And when you for, if you make the choice to forgive, then the tools kind of show up, like the right people, the right teachers, the right things that you need help with that. But I think sometimes people make that don't make the decision; they're looking for different ways and reasons, and then there's a lot of resistance, and then it just doesn't seem like it's a possibility versus making that choice. And so I love yeah. that you said it was a choice. Yeah, it definitely is. I, you know, I think about it all the time that I could still be a very angry person right now. And I think I could have a lot of resentment and could have chosen to crawl into a hole, if you will. But it's such a choice every day that you're going to choose how you're going to move forward from this. And nobody else is going to be able to make that choice for you. And it sometimes is a daily struggle to not be frustrated and to look at it a different way. But if you're going to continue on with your life, I, I just see it as I would rather find joy through all of this instead of feeling, you know, bitter for the rest of my life and, and living that way. That's right. Because your life's worth it. And so Carrie, what has been the main factor that has gotten you through everything? Well, like Laurel said, we really had a heavenly perspective through this all, you know, it, and this actually really started with Ross's death. And ironically, uh, enough, it was Cole that really had the, the most connection to heaven. Um, and he always did, even as a, as a young boy, he just really understood what eternity was and that we were all going to be together. Um, so for us, it's always been the perspective. Laurel and I know that even, even though we're here and some days are challenging, we know that this is not, 
this is not forever. This is just a blip on the radar screen, right? <laughs> so, um, so we keep, which is why the title of the book is Keep Looking Up, is because we want people to remember that this is not the end all be all. And the bigger thing is that we know, even though we don't like it, that this is a part of God's plan. Um, we don't know why um, Ross and Cole went home in this way, and we won't know until we get there, but we do know it's a part of a bigger plan. So those are the things that we focus on. Like Laura said, it's not always easy. We've been through a lot of milestones. Obviously, we were getting married. Now she's pregnant. Um, you know, lots of things that have been huge. Yes, congratulations. <laughs> Thank huge you. Huge things that we've had to get through without <laughs> Ross and Cole here. Yes, completely different. Just learning to live in a totally different way. So what prompted you guys to write the book, Keep Looking Up? So we got to a point... It was right about at a five-year mark from my dad passing away. And then I guess it was around like two years of Cole passing away. I don't know what it was about those five years, but I felt like we kind of turned a corner in terms of being able to really openly talk about our story. Um, and, and not to say without emotions. I mean, it's always emotional to share it, but but from a place that we were looking at it of, okay, we need to share this because we've, we've healed a little bit and can figure out what we've really learned that can be usable. And it was a lot of, a lot of it came from conversations we were having with people. You know, we've had conversations with other families that have gone through very, very similar things in terms of suicide or just people who've gone through horrendous divorces, people who have, you know, lost all finances, whatever it is, any sort of loss or huge shift. We were realizing what we learned was very relatable, beyond just people losing others to suicide. So we started talking about it and saying, how can we turn this book into a tangible resource for anybody going through huge shifts that can help them have a good perspective and and ways to work through that. And again, I just, I think we felt like we were at a place that we were somewhat healed if, if that even is, you know, possible, but that's kind of where we were at and what prompted that. There were just a lot of lessons. Like Laurel said, we were hearing from a lot of people that they were going through things too. Um, it was kind of a wake up call for Laurel and I, before we went through any of the strategy, you know, we had a pretty fabulous life. And when you have a fabulous life, people don't tell you there's stories. And when you have a story and everybody knows it, all sorts of people started coming to us with what was going on with them. And so Laurel and I figured out that some of the stuff we learned um, could really help somebody going through their own adversity, not necessarily suicide. It could be anything. Um, or bigger than that, we heard from so many people asking us, how do I help so-and-so? And so a lot of what we do in the book um, is not only for people to get through it themselves, but learning how they can help somebody else. That's great because I do feel like so many grief books are about the healing process, which is obviously so important. And that the other second thing is, is that you guys saw that it was relatable to not only suicide, but different kinds of traumatic events in people's life and also how to help other people. Because I think, I mean, as I served as a victim advocate, helping crime victims for 15 years, it's, it's interesting to watch how people interact with people that are going through grief. Just like you said, Carrie, it's one way or the other. And we all want to help. We all want to do the right thing, but it's not always, we just, it's just not a knowing of what to do. And so I'm sure that book will help so many people yes. just know what to yeah. do just helps shed some light because the biggest thing overall is people have said, and I'm sure you've heard this too, is I just don't know what to do. 
I flat out don't know what to do to help myself or to help these people. And so unfortunately, like I said, a lot of people either do the things that they they feel they would need or they just move away completely. Yes. And I know so much of your message through your different careers have been about vision. You know, you've always been able to help people create vision personally and professionally. And so I'm sure when this happened, it was hard for you to gain that vision again for your own life. And the fact that you have, and you're continuing to coach and speak, it's all about vision again. And that that's the choice and to create it, but also giving your guys, just like you said, you have to give yourself that time of grace and, and, and time to find that peace in your own life again. Yeah. Well, you know, I've been teaching vision for a really, really long time. And now I know why, because God knew what was coming. <laughs> um, so when people have said to me, how can you possibly still talk about having a vision for your life when your life fell apart on, you know, things happen outside of your control. So a lot of people are afraid to write their, any, any sort of vision or dream they have for their life on them because of the unknowns, right? And what I have learned is that it has become the anchor in all of the storms of my life. Me having strong knowledge of who I am, what my purpose is, has gotten me through a lot. And that's why I continue to do what I do now t- 10 times more. <laughs> I'm 10 times more passionate now about helping people have a vision and a purpose for their life because I do know, know that people without vision lose hope. And when they lose hope, there isn't much left. That's so true. And that's what I learned as an advocate for 15 years, you know, watching people lose hope. I, all I saw is people's life shatter and they either learned how to gain that hope again, or they lost it. And I think just what you said about that anchor of knowing who you are and knowing your purpose and knowing that your life is uniquely and individually made apart from family, apart from our society, apart from our communities, whatever is you are unique and have a very specific pur- purpose and congratulations that you've had the courage to anchor yourself in that and to carry that out because people need that message. People need you specifically. And so the fact that you're walking that out, it's just, it's that ripple effect in everyone else's life. So what is the biggest hope you guys have from really sharing your story besides shedding light, which is a huge thing and shedding, uh, you know, a hope and showing other people that there is hope. Yeah. Our, our ultimate goal of this book and hope for it is to help people create a different perspective each day. You know, the very last chapter in the book talks all about heaven and how we have a whole new understanding of heaven and how, again, going back to choosing every day to focus on that perspective and that that's everything. You know, when people ask us how you've gotten through this, that is the ultimate answer is that we've had to choose to have a heavenly perspective and know that we're going to all be together again and to look and understand those signs that we are getting all the time that we know those are not just by coincidence and we believe people see those every day but it's just a matter of if they're going to choose to choose that as a heavenly sign or just kind of look past it and so that's what we have always gone back to is that when we say keep looking up you know it's a lot more than just keeping your head up through the day but truly looking up to having that heavenly perspective daily. Yeah. As Laurel said, um, so many people, and I don't know how people feel about this, your beliefs, but um, I've had so many people come into my life without me seeking it that have come forward and have said, you know, they are here. 
and have been able, and their messages have been consistent. So I know this to be true that, like Laurel said, we've gotten very clear messages from Cole and Ross at very specific times um, during these past five years. And so we are very aware that they are with us now, probably more than when they were here in their, in, in their earthly bodies. They are always here. And I believe they are really um, working through Laurel and I to carry out this mission. So it is, it is a choice. We've chosen to see that there's a whole different way that you can look at life and that, that we are, like Laurel said several times, um, inside of heaven as, at, at this moment. It's just a matter of seeing it and learning more about that. Yes, I love that perspective that it doesn't have to be a place. It's, it's here right now. It's just learning how to interact with it and see those things. And I've, you know, through all the tragedy I've seen in 15 years of being an advocate and um, experiences in my own life, it's interesting to watch people either turn against that or lean into it more. And what I notice when things play out, when you lean into it more and you're open to it and you see the signs, you, you have other people speak into your life, you are more open to it. It only enhances the experience of the rest of your life versus turning against it all. And it is a choice. It's a decision. Yes, it is. And I'm learning from these people because now, of course, I'm very intrigued by the whole thing. So I've been doing a lot of reading, a lot of studying um, that they are here to help, but they will only help if we are asking for it. Yes. And it's as painful. Yeah. It's as painful for them not to be a help to us as it is for us. Yes. Isn't that interesting is to look at yeah, a whole different perspective when, yes, when you look at it that way, that when we shut it off, um, it's shutting off the joy that we can still have with them because they are trying to help. Um, and just being open to let it in. It is amazing when you are open to that, to see what, happens because when we think about it, we think that we've lost them. And what's amazing is we forget the other side of it is they've also lost us. And so for us to cut that off and not choose to interact, even though it was a choice, however people pass, um, it is, it is that it's a two way street of just being, you know, we're all connected in so many different ways and to be open to that. And Mm -hmm. so great that you guys have stepped into that and seen signs and communication and knowing that there's such a bigger picture out there. Mm-hmm. Much, much bigger. So what is next for you guys um, where you're at right now, both professionally and personally? Yeah, so <clears throat> I'm about to have a very big shift again, but a good shift. Um, I'm having a baby. He's due May 2nd. Um, so that will be a big change, but <laughs> very exciting. Um, in terms of the book too, we actually have the Audible coming out, which we're very excited about as well. So it's kind of a a new way to get to people that maybe aren't the best readers that, but that want to listen to the story. Um, and then my mom and I have been working together on a lot of awesome projects, obviously including the book, but um, I've had some opportunities come up already in 2020 that we're going to be able to speak together and share our story even more, which we're really excited about. Great. And congratulations. Yeah. So the relaunch of the book, like Laurel said, we recorded the audible It'll come out in about a month. Um, we are getting asked to, so I am a speaker, so I speak all the time, um, getting on bigger stages now, sharing even a bigger message about vision and why you need to have one because it's attached to your purpose and knowing your purpose is everything. Um, so I continue to speak. I'm also getting ready to create some courses and some curriculum for people that are needing 
to figure out who they are. Um, and Laurel and I are getting asked to speak on stages as well, as she mentioned, and we want to do more of that a little bit later in the year once she has the baby and gets a little bit more settled. Um, so who knows? Another book, maybe more speaking. I just really want more than anything to be helping people understand how to get a vision crystal clear on paper so that they can get attached to a purpose, their own purpose, um, because it's everything at the end of the day, it's everything. Absolutely. I totally agree. And congratulations to all that you have going on in your life personally and professionally. And you are two of the most courageous, amazing people that not only have overcome a lot, but have found, you know, anchors in your own life and sharing that pathway to others. And it's so amazing to watch both of you and everything that you're doing. So how can people get in touch with you guys? The best way is to go to my website, Autumn, which is just carryconley.com and it's C-A-R-E-Y-C-O-N-L-E-Y because there's lots of different ways you can spell that. Um, carryconley.com. What's on there are, um, you know, a little bit more about my mission, some of the things I'm going to be offering coming up, if I'm doing any workshops, where I'm speaking, um, you know, that whole thing. Great. And we will put that in the show notes too for the listeners and anything that you guys would like to conclude with to share with our listeners? Um, I think just, you know, the final message that we've said over and over is it's a choice of perspective, no matter what you're going through. Um, somebody always has it worse than you. That's a choice to believe too. And that we have to choose every single day to stay plugged into the good and not be focused on all the little bad things. It's always a matter of what is it that is more important for me to be focusing on right now than what I see as the obstacles, because there's always going to be obstacles and there's always going to be fear. A lot of people wait for the fear to go away and that never happens. (laughs) Um, It helps when you have a vision and a purpose to get through it every day. But I just really want to encourage people to not shut down inside your circumstances and inside your fear, you have a bigger mission to accomplish and a purpose that you were sent here to do. And I think so many people know that and they don't follow that nudge. I know you talk a lot about nudges, Autumn. Um, And they die with regret. And to me, that is very, very sad. Yes. Wow. Thank you, Carrie. And thank you, Laurel, for both of your time being on and sharing your courageous stories. And it's not just a story, it's your life and perspective and experiences and wisdom and knowledge and hurt and pain and everything that goes along with that. So we just thank you so much for taking time today um, and being courageous enough and authentic enough to share your experiences with everybody. Thank you. Thank you for having, thank you for having us. Thank you for joining us on today's episode. And regardless of where you are in life, Rather, you're feeling like you're a passenger in your own life and just trying to get through the day, or you feel like a boat tied up to a dock because maybe you're just too scared to set sail, or maybe you're out there rocking the open seas. I would love to connect with you on your journey. So please find me at autumnshields.com and or on social and say hello. If you would like a complimentary guide on living alive, visit the site and it is there waiting for you. And remember good friends don't keep great messages to themselves. So keep the ripples moving and share this episode with your friends. Please take a moment to review or download this episode where you listen to podcasts. Make today the day you decide 
to live fully alive and leave some room for the unimaginable. So until next time, my friends, keep following the nudges.